Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the most powerful tools we can use, and it's a gift we can share, and it's desperately needed, and that's forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiving your neighbor. Chris, you ready for this conversation? Lynn, good to be with you, and today we have... Uh, Ron Brown with us. Ron is uh, the uh, writer for Hobbes Commentary, and we'll talk later about what that is. But Ron's been with us a few times, and we always look forward, Ron, to you being a part of our conversation. Thanks. It's always a joy to to do so. Well, I want to just jump right into this conversation because I think the passage we're going to look at has always fascinated me. It's just, it's the wonder of this story that he tells. Uh, and what we're doing is in the study of uh, how to love our neighbor. This is our fifth study in this in, in this uh, session study. Uh, but how do I love our neighbor has to do we should need to be forgiving and love is going to lead us to forgive. So as we jump into this passage, uh, we jump into this passage in Matthew 18. I want us to see the connection between love and forgiveness. Let's go to Matthew 18. This is going to be verse. Let me just read verses 21 and 22. Then Peter approached him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So Peter sounds like a a brother here, doesn't he? How many times I got to forgive this clown for what he's done to me? Yeah, but what's fascinating about that is, uh, as as I understand this, the Pharisees said the rule was three. You can forgive three times. So here is Peter trying to be very uh, generous. He's not going to be a Pharisee. He's going to go way beyond the Pharisees. Not three. How about seven? Yeah. It's, uh, he's, he's certainly putting his piety on display there, <laughs> <laughs> which then doesn't take him beyond the Pharisees. It almost makes him one. <laughs> How many times? That's, that's a great question. Different translations uh, give d- different interpretations uh, for that. Right, Ron? Yeah, you've, you've got... Uh, 70 times seven, which would be, if my math is right, something like 490, or if it's 77, uh, you know, there's obviously there's a disparity in those numbers. Uh, the, the issue becomes, if I am really hung up on trying to determine the number, then I have probably already missed the point. <laughs> Good. Good point. You know, whether it's the 78th time I don't have to forgive anymore or the 491st time, if my math is right, that I don't have to forgive anymore. Uh, I've missed the point. If I have actually, you know, if if I actually were to spend that much time keeping track, uh, I have already shown that I've missed the point. Uh, and, and because I'm trying to find the top number, I'm trying to find the maximum that I have to do. And once I reach that, then for some reason I feel, you know, exonerated and, and that I don't have to do any more, that I've done my best, that I have, as, as perhaps Peter was trying to do, I've displayed the height or the zenith of my piety. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore that ought to be sufficient. 
so uh, uh, while the, where there are manuscript differences that that uh, account for the difference in the number, uh, the truth is it doesn't matter which number it is uh, because that's Jesus isn't talking about some sort of calculation. He's not talking about limitation. He's talking about uh, that free expression of always being in the spirit of love. And where there is a spirit of love for another person, there's going to be a willingness to forgive that person for whatever it is that they've done that's offended or fault. Ron, you, you mentioned the word love in this context. And although Jesus didn't specifically use love uh, in, these, in these verses, to me, it, it's, it's there. And I think the principle here is that love forgives and love is going to keep on forgiving. And I, I, as, as you were saying that, Ron, I got to thinking, you know, there are some people I find it easy to forget, like my sons. Uh, my sons are, are boys, are, are, they're men. And just by nature of that, they do boneheaded things. It's easy for me to forgive them. Well, why? Because I love them deeply. And yet, as we're to love all people as Christ loves them, then that love should mean I, I'm going to forgive. Love forgives and it keeps on forgiving. It sounds like forgiving is easy, Lynn. It's not a big deal. The reality is forgiveness is one of the hardest things for people to do. I think forgiveness is difficult because it calls for some humility on my part. Uh, and it calls, uh, it calls for a, a, a willingness to, uh, you know, to, to show some love and respect for another person that down in my, you know, inside person somewhere, I'm not sure is worthy of such love and forgiveness. So, you know, that, that makes it difficult. I, I have to, I have to put aside feelings and that's difficult to do. And I have to be submissive and express some humility. And that's extremely difficult uh, for many of us to do. So I think I think hurt is a is a key factor. Mm -hmm. I think when when people are hurt deeply or uh, when feelings are hurt or if you hurt my child, uh, there's there's something about the pain or the hurt that makes it harder um, for us to forgive. I, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who. You know, we, we, it started off kind of casual and then he, he shared with me that he, he and his wife have just found out that his, uh, his daughter is, um, is going through a divorce and, and you could hear the hurt in his voice, uh, that, you know, he was, it, it, he had pain for his daughter because this was something that she was going to have to deal with. And this is going to be a reality for his grandkids. And um, that, that pain just came right to the surface. Yeah. And um, those things are hard. They're hard to forgive. Yeah. I think, uh, I think when somebody hurts us, we equate, if I forgive them, it may, it may come across like, I've excused them uh, and that uh, it was okay that, you know, and, and forgiveness is not just saying, you know, coming to, 
deal with a, a problem and saying, oh, it was okay, it didn't matter. It did matter. And, and But forgiveness takes us beyond uh, whatever it is that makes it matter, if that makes any sense. You know, it, it, it mattered because it hurt me deeply. I'm willing to go beyond my hurt when I forgive and getting beyond hurt, as you're pointing out, is not an easy thing to do because pain sometimes lingers a long time. And, and there are, those, those hurts get lodged in our minds. And then we have that struggle about, you know, forgiving and, for, and, and forgetting. And we remember, and when we remember, it can help cause a hurt to resurface. So, you know, there's where the balance comes in is how do I, how do I forget in the sense of, of uh, not allowing this to be such a driving force in my, my life any longer? I, I'm, it may still be factually in my mind, but it is not residing in my heart where it begins to affect and influence everything I do in relationship to you. In one of Corey Ten Boone's books, she talked about the struggle with forgiveness. She quoted uh, Micah 719, where it talks about how God forgives us and he hurls all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And she says, it's like God has cast your, your sins into the depths of the sea. And then he puts up a sign that says no fishing Uh, because, and and that's what we do is uh, we want to kind of dig those up and dredge them up. It's not that God forgets our sins. He, or it's, he chooses not to remember. And, I, and, I, and there's a big difference there. And that's what I have to learn to do. I can't forget it, but I just choose not to remember. I choose not to dwell on it. I just want to move on. One thing that helps us to understand that, I think, is just to understand how God has forgiven us. But what I love about what Jesus does in this passage, uh, he doesn't just stop there with that one statement. Well, you just need to forgive you know, lots of times. He then follows it up with a parable, and I th- this is an incredible story that Jesus said. So let me just let me take us into the first part of this story. This is Matthew eighteen verse twenty three. Jesus said, "For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle ac- accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed ten thousand talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back." His master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. Well, at this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. This is a a marvelous parable. And one of the things I want to encourage you, uh, if you're a leader of a group, um, is um, this, we, we, we sometimes talk about tips or recommendations. Um, let the, please do everything that you can not to interpret and, and fill in all of the gaps that will happen at the end of the story. So talk about as you, as you're having a conversation, talk about the parable and this part of the parable, um, try not to interpret it and, and make application, uh, let the story take care of doing that as it moves forward. So that's my, uh, I'm tossing it out there. Let, let, let the story do its work and give it time for what happens next, okay? 
That's that's a good comment because you know sometimes I find that, uh, and especially maybe those who preach and teach, Jesus uh, used an economy of words in telling these marvelous stories, and we need to take thirty and forty minutes to be sure that that we expound on them and fill in all the details. <laughs> As if, uh, as if Jesus didn't didn't say enough. And so uh, I yeah. get your point. Let the story speak. Yes, right. That's right. So you know, there are some details. Somebody uh, owed a lot. Now, and Ron, I I want to I want to make a plug for Hobbes here because I learned something. I feel like when I when I go to Matthew eighteen, I feel like I know this story really well. And uh, but when I looked at the Hobbes commentary, uh, Craig, you quote. Craig Bloomberg, who said a talent was the highest known denomination denomination of currency and 10,000 was the highest number for which the Greek language had a a number. So (laughs) I'd never heard that before. That's brilliant. Well, I will. Yeah, I will have to admit that was that was new to me. And, you know, you read a lot of places try to put numerical values on, you know, on, on, uh, you know, how many talents, how does that equate to dollars? Uh, it's, it is really difficult to do because a talent was originally a weight. And, you know, so a weight, uh, is, uh, is, is not a, a precise measurement of value. It's just how much it is. Uh, and, and so, uh, but you know, what, uh, what Bloomberg said is, uh, you know, that that does help put it in some perspective that he's ta- that Jesus is using a uh, a reference here that describes it's the highest that you can you could ever even imagine is sort of the, the way it comes across. That's exactly that's brilliant. I did some math on this recently. And, and again, the numbers you use compared to the the weights of the talents and comparing it to our own uh, economy today, it, it is very subjective on how you do that. Uh, b- but I came up with a number close to $6 billion in today's economy. Uh, others will talk about uh, how much, how much time it would take to pay off something like that. And uh, one writer said that the man owed 200,000 years worth of money. Again, these are all subjective, but the point I want to see is whether we're talking 200,000 years, $6 billion, we're talking about things that are just beyond belief. How in the world is that man going to pay that off? He says, well, give me time. I'll pay it back. He can't. I was going to say, and the truth of the matter is there, he can't pay it back. That's, but then that's, that's what leads up to the marvelous element of the first part of the story is the fact he can't pay it back. And so, and so this guy says, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to write it off. You'll never be able to pay this off. So it's just a loss for me. And he, he writes off the debt. Well, what a great, what a great feeling that's got to be for that servant. You would think. <laughs> not that it was just, not that it was just reduced. Okay. Let's just make it, you know, make it a thousand. You know, it was, it was gone, but you're right. When you get to verse 28, now the story takes a turn. The servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him and said, pay what you owe. Okay. Wait a minute. So what's a hundred denarii? Uh, a denarii was a, a day's worth of wages. So a 
third of a year's salary. How about that, yeah. A little more manageable than more money than you could count. <laughs> okay, go ahead. He grabbed the guy, said, you got to pay. He came to verse 28, uh, verse 29. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. This is the same statement he himself had said. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay back what was owed. Well, when the other servants saw what had happened had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he was after he said summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Now, this is when the word the kicker comes in in verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. So the very same words, give me time, uh, have mercy on me, pay back. And um, he, he refuses to do that. Um, and he's called on the carpet. I preached on this a few weeks ago, and I, I told you I did the math on what the, the, the first servant owed, which I came up with a number about $6 billion. So I took the 100 denarii and, and did some digging and this and that, did use several sources. And I came up with the idea that he owed about, uh, the, the second service owed about $12,000. Now, $6 billion to $12,000 is, is still, it's a huge gap. But I realized, you know, if, if someone owed me $12,000, just maybe it's well, my income and all that. $12,000 is still a chunk of change. That, that's still a lot of money. Oh, yeah. It seems it seems like it would take me forever to pay that off. All right. So what I did, Chris, I, I looked at the ratio between $6 billion and $12,000. And I took it down to its lowest common denominator. <laughs> and it comes to this. The first servant owed $500,000, which was forgiven. And then he went up and he, he, straight, he uh, re refused to forgive a guy who owed him $1. That's the ratio difference. A half a million dollars to $1. Wow. And, it, and to me, when I, when I did that, I thought that shows how ridiculous this first servant was to say, hey, I've just had this huge debt forgiven. But I still want that dollar back from you. It's almost absurd that somebody would have a, an attitude like that. It also is uh, why when he came back to the king, the king sized him up pretty well by calling him wicked. Uh, because what, what he lacked, you know, there's a, another word that streams through here and through this story. And it's either, you know, translated compassion or mercy, or pity, uh, that, that's, that is the attitude that this king had toward his first servant, was compassion, mercy, pity. And here, uh, this guy in, in his dealings with a subservient to him has no compassion, shows no mercy, displays no pity. And that may well be an apt description of a wicked person. Because uh, when you talk about mercy and compassion 
and having pity, uh, those are godly attributes uh, that speaks of the way God is. And so again, this, this fellow earned the title wicked because he was nothing like what God was. Which, if we go back to the beginning of this parable, this is a kingdom parable. It's what the kingdom of God is like. And, and we probably ought not to lose that in looking at this parable that this is telling us what it is like to live in the kingdom of God or under the reign and rule of God. And it, it's the, the way I read it, it's not even like this is something that uh, is going to happen. It is something that is a present reality for one who is a part of the kingdom of God, living under the reign and rule of God, which Sometimes, you know, we, we go back to what we were saying about being forgiving. We talk about it being hard. Uh, what makes it hard? It makes it hard because we are not living under the rule and reign of God. We're trying to do it on ourselves, by ourselves. I can't be forgiving on my own, but I can be forgiving when I am submissive to God and allowing his spirit to be in control of my life. And then I am able to exercise forgiveness that, that speaks of who God is. So it's, it's really, I think, important to remember Jesus is saying this is what it's like to be part of the rule and reign of God. This is, this, is the, this is the expectation. It's the reality. It's not some future out there somewhere that maybe someday you will attain. This is what happens now when you are submissive to a God of mercy, compassion, and pity. It's as we tell the entire story that we can begin to say, to plug in some of the um, interpretation uh, and things for, that, that are real to us, that God, that the king is like God. God has this um, over, overwhelming mercy, compassion, pity on us. We owe a debt that we can never repay. And God in his mercy forgives us. Now, we're the guy forgiven and we come, we come into contact with somebody who owes us. Debt's a great analogy, by the way. And that's a question that we ask. Um, so mm -hmm. you come across somebody who has hurt you and wronged you. How do you respond? I would encourage all our groups to really save some time at the end of your discussion to look at the live it out statements, because this is Chris, this gets right to where you're, you know, it's kind of my response to this. Uh, Paul Kelly in the live it out statement gave us three things to consider. One is to seek forgive, seek God's forgiveness. The second one is uh, maybe you need to seek other people's forgiveness. Maybe you're the one who needs to go and say, Hey, I am sorry for what I did. But his other idea, his third suggestion was, maybe you need to go offer forgiveness. That's hard, but oh, the benefits of doing that. So seek God's forgiveness, seek others' forgiveness, and then turn around and offer forgiveness to other people. Jesus ends with a very strong statement um, about forgiveness and our need to forgive. Uh, on the, the only commentary um, that Jesus gave on the Lord's prayer was about the line, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he said, you are to forgive people who have wronged you. And if you're unwilling to forgive 
I'm unwilling to forgive you. And Jesus seems to be making that same type of statement here. So will it be for you if you don't forgive from your heart? Um, so I've talked about this in sermons, and Smeeds helped me with this. Um, and I had, I had an experience where a young guy, a, a friend of one of my sons, approached me after he'd been hanging out at our house for a while. And right. uh, he said, right. so um, when, we, when we are Christians, God forgives us all of our sins, yes. right? And I said, right. And then he said, but uh, then Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive us. So how does that square? Uh, how, and um, my, in the moment, it, I don't always, I don't always hit it out of the park. Okay. Uh, uh, in those, those, those moments, but this is one of those times where my response was, listen, I need you to understand something. When Jesus said, you have to forgive to be forgiven, he means exactly what he says. And I won't explain that away. Jesus is very clear that his expectation is that we forgive people who have wronged us. I agree. And it's not that God can't forgive us. Uh if I could, let me say it this way. I think it's, we, we don't have the capacity. We don't have room for his forgiveness. As long as there's unforgiveness in our hearts, God can't forgive us because there's no place for forgiveness to be in our hearts. It's crowded with unforgiveness. I think part of it is I can't, uh, if I have not, uh, if I'm not willing to forgive, it becomes a big sign that I have not experienced forgiveness. And that's why, that's what I was saying about this is a kingdom parable. This is not one of these things of, okay, here's the ideal, and maybe someday you will achieve it. Jesus is saying, this is the way it is if you are in the kingdom. And so, you know, we have a tendency to kind of modify right. and, and uh, moderate some things because, we, you know, we say, well, that's hard. and We want to make it easier. And Jesus doesn't cut much slack uh, in lots of places about what the expectations are. Well, our, our author says that, um, talks about a debilitating, the, the debilitating ailment, ailment of the soul is unforgiveness. And I have a deep fear that there is a lot of unforgiveness in the hearts of people in the church who are followers of Jesus. And I think this is a message, a text uh, that is critical for us to talk about. Um, and I'm, I'm pleased that we've taken the initiative to do that with this passage. It's a, a really, as Lynn said at the outset, it's really a marvelous parable that Jesus told because it, uh, it really strikes at a need and uh, it does cause us, if we contemplate it, it, it really does lead us to probe our own hearts about our relationship with God foremost. And if, and then how does that relationship with God uh, seen in practice with others? And there must be correlation between the two, you know, and, and that's a, you know, you can get into John's letters and he's dealing with that. You can't say, you, you know, I, I love, I love God. If you don't love your brother, it's, and this is a similar kind of thing. 
you can't say I'm in right relationship with God if I'm not willing to be in right relationship with my brother. I think our groups, because this is such a great passage dealing with an issue that's really needs to be addressed, I think we're going to have some good conversations uh, as we talk about forgiveness, the challenges of forgiveness, and really what that says about how I do love my neighbor. Ron Brown, thank you for being a part of this uh, podcast. Um, Ron, as, as Chris mentioned at the outset, is the uh, he's the the writer, the writer for our Herschel Hobbs commentary. Uh, Ron, I have to keep this in mind. Ron writes essentially; he writes a session of commentary, a full session of commentary every week. But it's not just that he writes it; he has to do his research, do the, the kind of that skunk work, getting into the digging into the words. And Ron has uh, done it strong, uh, very capable job with doing this. And I do think it's an excellent commentary. If you want just to get some supplemental reading, as uh, whether you're a, a leader or just a group member, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of the Herschel Hobbs commentary uh, as it just gets a little deeper, gives you a little more content related to the passages like the one today that we're looking at. But thank you for all of you for joining us for this podcast, and we really hope you have a great Bible study this week. We would love to hear from you. Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of us uh, is uh, we have a, a Facebook group, the Bible Studies for Life. Just go there. We're building a, a, a community of us, those of us who use Bible Studies for Life. We would love to hear from you, uh, what you, what you, uh, how it's going in your Bible study groups, things that you're learning. That would be very encouraging for us as well. So we hope you have a great Bible study this week.